Welcome to the Talent Exchange. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Jess, Head of Marketing at Networks. We connect great talent with fantastic businesses nationwide through intuitive applicant tracking technology and supportive recruitment campaigns. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Catherine Smith, co-founder and executive coach at Equal Talent and pioneer for the She Has No Limits membership organisation supporting female leaders. Today's episode is all about creating dynamic and inclusive leaders and understanding the behaviours, values and coaching required to lead your organisation toward greater diversity. With the unprecedented level of change and uncertainty faced by organisations today, Catherine joins us to share more about how you can invest in your people and your culture to create dynamic leaders. Welcome, Catherine. Please introduce yourself for the listeners. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me. So my name is Catherine Smith and I'm one of the co-founders of Equal Talent and we are a specialist coaching consultancy creating cultures of inclusivity and belonging and we're absolutely delighted as well to be running a membership called She Has No Limits which is all around community and community for women and I'm sure as we talk little bits and pieces will come into this conversation in terms of what we're doing but thanks for having me here today. Thank you for joining us today, Catherine. Really, really looking forward to this session. And the last 12 months have been a, a really interesting roller coaster for all of us. And I know that you've been working with leaders nationwide on managing some of the challenges around inclusivity in the workplace. Why do you think this topic has continued to gain further momentum like over the last 12 months? Gosh, that's such a tremendous question, Jess. I think there's lots and lots of things that have supported it in terms of gaining momentum if, if we kind of look at the last 12 months I'll, I'll, I'll do some of the sort of incidences we've had Black Lives Matter has raised a massive awareness in terms of racism within not only this country but across the world but I think specifically the experience we've all had is around lockdown and the impact that lockdown has had and what is that impact well the impact is I think it's more around working from home. There's been some positives and negatives around it. The negatives for me are specifically the impact that it's had on women and women with children. And where you take the support network away, the challenge of being able to work and look after children is enormous. And that has put some spotlight in terms of the conversation. There's been some plus points as well, Jess, which is, you know, in terms of those that are maybe less abled and find it very difficult to get into work they've benefited potentially neurodiverse as well in terms of special requirements working from home so I think why why has it gained momentum over the last 12 months it's really really the highlight that COVID-19 and lockdown has put on it from my from my perspective and my view. No I totally agree and we've we've done a, a podcast recently with another organization where we were talking about how much of an impact this this lockdown period has had there is obviously some negatives from it but also the the positives that people couldn't believe that we could operate in a you know remote world but we've been forced to our hands has been forced to, to embrace digital transformation and we've had no choice but to adopt and adapt to to the new working environment and there's been some tremendous positive movements but like you say some really good points there as well about working from home and being a working mum and having the kids for at home credit to everybody out here who's managed to do that throughout the the lockdown period I, I don't know how they have handled that but credit to them and it's a bit like a pendulum I think isn't it because now this time last year overnight we're all working from home 
and now we're in the process of unlocking and where's the pendulum going to swing to that's the interesting bit with the working from home and then that impact that it has on ed and i no definitely and i think because everyone's got used to this sort of new way of working it's now the the unraveling of that to sort of embrace going back to this new normal whether it is a hybrid way of working or whether it is you know partially from home partially in the office back to the office full time and I think it's different for everyone but the positive I think that's come out of this lockdown period is that people have got the hopefully will have the choice because I think it's different for everybody and I think it we've we've shown that we can all do it and we can all operate in this way but it's now being flexible and adaptable that everybody needs to have those those decisions themselves to see what works for them if you are a working mom or whether you need to work different hours to suit you and your your work life balance or whether it is because you find it difficult to travel long like long distances for a disability it might be better for you to work from home but it's it's opened up so many doors and avenues that I think previously potentially were closed or people were hesitant because they just didn't think that people would operate as well in that home environment yeah so what kind of skills do you think inclusive leaders need to have to support their teams to foster that that culture and I think this is especially important as you say we're unraveling this lockdown what kind of cultural environment do they need to be setting for their teams it's interesting isn't it because culture stems from the leaders and so yes you're right so what does this mean in terms of being an inclusive leader and I I think it's definitely around the area of emotional intelligence and if I was to break down emotional intelligence that's demonstrating empathy and it's it's a word we can all sort of bander around isn't it empathy what do we really mean by that and and for me if I had to really break it down it's it's seeing yourself as being in service of others and really understanding the needs of others so not being assumptive and seeing people as individuals rather than trying to make the best rule to fit to fit all and and so behind that it's a leader who's curious a leader who is courageous in terms of pushing boundaries questioning the status quo a leader who's committed to what they're doing it's it's a values-based leadership for me developing inclusive cultures and it's about belief systems and it's about listening to the needs of everybody because if we go back to, to sort of the introduction here in terms of why EDNI has gained momentum in the last 12 months and we talk about the positives, we also have to forget that a lot of people don't like working from home. And sort of, you know, part of my work here is it's brilliant for people who I don't know have got caring responsibilities potentially who think, great, I don't need to commute into work anymore. I can now look after my elderly parents. And yet it's been tragic for young people starting out on their careers. Uh, they they don't want to work from home they want to be in an office and learn from one another and so this the, 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 the skills of an inclusive leader is trying to get the voice of everybody heard and not to be assumptive and not to talk about the majority anymore it's about every single individual and their need it's and it's it is a skill and a difficult skill at that to try and balance the needs of of so many different individuals within an organization when everyone's got such diverse needs themselves as a such important ongoing discussion in a lot of businesses nationwide, there, there are a number of tools and resources out there that are appearing on the market to try and solve this. But, you know, it's which ones do you, do you look at? Which ones do you take? What, what avenue do you go down that's right for your organisation? As you said, if it's values based, that can often be quite a difficult decision. What, what do you think leaders should be doing? Where should leaders start if they're looking to, to create a more inclusive culture? Gosh, I hope this doesn't sound cliche, but I do think they should start with themselves and think about what their values and their beliefs are and 
do they sincerely and wholly believe in inclusivity? And that, that's a mirror moment, isn't it, in terms of what are my assumptions here? So I know that it's very difficult, for example, to lead virtually. And so a lot of people are saying, I can't wait to get back into the office because I can see what people are doing. I can hear it all. It's not about trust. And are people doing the work? It's, it's, more, it's more about an ease for the leader in order to deliver the goals that they're doing. So, so there is something here that you've got to start with self and do an audit of self. So some of those tools that aren't potentially new, but you know, emotionally intelligent assessments, looking at your own values, your own belief systems, looking at how inclusive you are naturally. So is this something that you're naturally good at as a leader? Is it something you have to learn? And we can all learn it. And you know, being a coaching specialist in terms of what we're doing, for sure you can learn and develop emotional intelligence and become very very good at it if you put the energy behind it i think other things that leaders could be doing is is metrics so you know after you've invested in yourself and and looked at your own leadership style you, you do have to set some metrics and some goals so again we talk about it there's so much talk about inclusive cultures and think well how are you measuring it how, how do you know you're being inclusive so i think that's another place that leaders could start and and for those that are leading organizations i'm really keen that it starts to become really part of strategy and it's it's made an intent a strategic intent with those metrics behind it so i could go on forever on this jess in terms of where should they start there's so many different things that people could and should be doing i think the the important thing to know is that the time and I think that a lot of people this is the kind of thing that they've thought about doing and, and looking at doing and then the pandemic hit and it sort of went to the back of the the shelf because they had to focus on getting everybody working and the digital transformation so I think it's it's great that now it's it's still part of the a lot of people's strategy going forward it's still got a massive place on the a boardroom agenda that people aren't wanting to make time to look at this and I think uh, leaders have had a difficult year managing like you said in the lockdown down environment and it is difficult to to be, manage a team and and try and set the culture when you're doing it all on teams or google Meet or zoom or whatever platform you're using but it's good that people are trying to to find the time to focus their efforts on doing so because it, it is so important and especially important coming back out of this lockdown sort of period you talked a little bit there about metrics and what kind of things people should be measuring. What what kind of things would you suggest that people look to to measure in terms of inclusivity? Where could they look to to set those objectives or goals? I think you can do certainly from an audit point of view. You could do some some understanding baseline understanding of let's take diversity as a very broad subject. So you know what is the diversity that you're measuring so is it from protected characteristics or is it in learning styles or communication styles so for me there's some of the softer metrics you can certainly look across your organization and start to count numbers can't you in terms of all the different levels of diversity that we can have but maybe it's some of the softer stuff that individuals need to start to quantify that they're trying to get to which are hard it's hard to measure isn't it in terms of pulling those metrics together and I do believe that they should be on that strategic board and it should be something that people are motivated. What's the word that I'm looking for? Remunerated even against in terms of being uh, hitting them in terms of their proper targets for people. But it's not easy. So, you know, how do you do it? Somebody's got to sit back and say, what, what are we measuring and what are we measuring? And if we're measuring it culturally, what are our behavioural indicators? And for me, it's listening to the voices of your employees and it's listening to everybody's voice and and for them to say do they or do they not believe that they're being listened to and do they or do they not 
feel like they belong to this organization yeah I think we work with a, a number of our clients to to use their applicant tracking system for that sort of hard data to sort of understand whether they're they've got the diverse workforce and they're pulling in diverse talent but I think you, you're right about it's much wider than that it's looking at the the cultural environment the communications speaking doing feedback and peer-to-peer sort of groups focus groups with your employees so that they you've got their voice and their voice is well heard because it's it goes beyond just those sort of hard numbers isn't it and it's it's about how you you're getting out and leading I guess within your team some some really good points there thank you Catherine so we've done a couple of polls recently on LinkedIn about diversity and who who people think in the organisation should be pursuing a more of a diverse agenda for the organisation. And it was actually quite an interesting split. We, we put out that it could potentially be like senior leadership, it could be employees themselves, or it could be like the, the managers within the business. And there was a bit of a split between it being senior leadership for sort of setting the tone of a diverse organisation, but also the role that employees play as part of that, which sort of links into what you were just saying about the culture and, and getting that sort of colleague feedback and, and those focus groups, so to speak. Who do you think in an organisation has the position to, to leverage that? I think ultimately everybody, and I think that's when it's working, when everybody can leverage and everybody can influence. The starting point seems to me that it is leaders. Leaders set the tone, leaders set the culture. So they, they've got the easiest way of influencing it. So for me, it is leaders. It has to be part of the DNA of an organisation. And so if you then start to look at it and think, well, if leaders set the tone, they, they then will determine who they recruit. They'll determine the behaviours of the organisation. They'll determine the, the reward remuneration. They'll determine what they celebrate and what they don't celebrate. So, so yes, I have to say the starting point is with the leaders themselves. But that organisation who's got everybody involved is the inclusive organisation. So, so maybe it's a journey that organisations need to go on. And, and they need to be looked at in terms of where they are on that journey. Yeah, and your leaders sort of, like you were saying about, they attract, they're, they're the ones that are sort of bringing in the talent, but it sort of comes full circle. So they, they bring in a diverse set of talent that breeds a greater diverse culture and therefore that promotes that they are a diverse organization to bring in new talent that is more diverse it's sort of a, a cyclical effect there but um, a good point that you made that it starts with the leadership because they sort of set the tone for the organization and sort of set those those core values really for what the organization stands for and believes in I really liked that you said that what they celebrate I think that's really a really nice thing to say what they they put they think is an achievement for the organization. And and this isn't an easy topic, is it? So if we think particularly about recruitment, it's very easy, isn't it, to go back to your to your known recruitment pool and keep pulling from recruitment. It's very, very hard to it's not hard, but it it takes thinking and it takes a very conscious approach to go and think to think let's go and recruit from a different pool and where is the different pool and how do we access that different pool and and at that point when we're all time pressured and I'm not saying this is an excuse our default is to go to what we know and we know very well because we can do it quickly and we can be effective with it but actually leaders at this point need to say we need to innovate we need to be creative whose voices aren't sitting around our table and where are they and you know why aren't they here and are the barriers to them being here and if there are what are those barriers so it needs to be somebody who's really curious and investigative and and sees the bigger picture and believes that difference is a fantastic strength so it has to be the leaders that start it because they're the ones that hold everybody to account 
you, we've talked a lot today about about leadership and the values that they need to have and and the sort of the tools that are out there what can organizations be doing collectively to grow authentic strong leaders from within their organization to to sort of cascade that information that those tools those values not just from the leadership but down into other members of the team to ensure that that sort of cyclical effect does happen that everybody's sort of feeling that diversity and and, and sort of pioneering it really in the organization i'm going to be incredibly sort of single-minded on this because my absolute wholehearted belief is that they should be investing in coaching coaching being about behaviors and human psychology and changing our habits and raising our self-awareness and setting goals and i i'm a little cynical about training in this topic i think it's great as an education builder and setting the scene but it's not enough so you could take you know all that wonderful investment that lots and lots of organizations have done in things like unconscious bias training it's been great for right for raising awareness but has it affected change and it's a question i keep asking and i've yet to see any evidence that confirms that it has led to transformational and sustained change so so my answer to this question jess is to invest in coaching and to invest in the behaviors of their leaders and their teams and that's a really really good place to start to start to grow authentic and strong leaders and strong inclusive leaders within their organization so you're saying that the difference there between the, the training and the coaching is the trainings there for the sort of awareness piece and the i hate to say the word like tick box but it's it's sort of you you're doing the piece so that people have got the the knowledge but the coaching is the the sustained impact of that and how you actually take that knowledge and do something with it and actually explore on a longer term because these kind of strategies they're not they're not just like oh we need to be more diverse let's tick a box or let's just just do it and it's a, a quick task it's a long-term commitment that organizations need to have different strategies in place that impacts all levels of the organization it's not just the recruitment side of things it's it's how you communicate it's your marketing it's your it's your website it's how you conduct business it's part of the way that you the ethos and the, like you said earlier the, the dna of your your company yeah i, I mean to be truly inclusive you, you do have to be a cheerleader for it it has to it has to really irritate you when you look at your at your company's website and think that's not truly representative of the world you know where 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 are all the people that aren't on the screen here you have to be the one that calls the behavior when you think i don't like the language i don't like the tone you have to be the one that says from our recruitment strategy did, did we look for all talent not just the talent that we like you have to sit in an, in an interview and think when we're talking about fit what do we mean because that's a very interesting thing for me because you know psychology wise we like people who are like us that's the easiest we hang out with people like us you know we go to work and think i want to be with people that i like that's a barrier to inclusivity because there's a lot of people that we might dismiss from our recruitment because they're not like us so you know so for me it's a really really big challenge so if you invest in the coaching you start to invest in your belief systems your values your scripts your view of the world your perceptions and you start to raise people's self-awareness in terms of their biases their prejudices how stereotypical they're being and you bring challenge and you bring accountability with it we speak to a lot of our clients obviously about the the 
the physical tools, so to speak, and the software that you can use for, for trying to remove unconscious bias from, from the recruitment process and to trying to mitigate those, those sort of challenges that you find in the workplace. But you're right, it's, it's not just a single approach. It's, it's across the board. You need to be looking at the, the cultural impact and the values and the, the behaviours of the individuals in just wider across the entire business and in the leaders if they're, they're setting the tone. So some really good points there, Catherine. So thank you, Catherine. We, we like to ask a little bonus question at the end of each of our sessions. And I'm just looking forward to the, to the months ahead, really. What one key trend do you think is going to have an impact on talent acquisition in the next six months? Gosh, one key. Gosh, that's, that's a challenge, isn't it? I think I'm going to go, it's around how organisations determine the future of work and their, their hours in the office, not in the office, hybrid, really for organizations to sit back and think who are we trying to attract here because this this future of work is going to be really interesting and i'm interested to know more in terms of what people really want from their workplace and combining that with the home and who you are at what stage of your career and is it easier to work from home when you've got 20 years under your belt and you know exactly what you're doing versus somebody who's just starting out who's hungry to learn from other people so for me Yes, I think the key trend which will have an impact on talent acquisition is how organisations present their working hours and the location of their working hours. I think that's really interesting because because of obviously what we're going through, but also because flexible working has been like a big topical sort of benefit that you'll see regularly when you're recruiting, that that's sort of part of the, the package that, and a lot of people do look for that when they're looking for roles. And I think the last year has, has really thrown that sort of not out of the way but sort of taken that to the nth of its degree do you know as people have tried to explore what is flexible working is it is between set hours so you've got parameters in the day or is it literally whenever <laughs> there are you know a lot of organizations that are just being completely like as long as you get the work done whatever you want working hours and I do think it's really interesting because I've actually found from from my own family, friends and people that I've been networking with that they actually do stick to quite normal working hours and they, they have enjoyed elements of the work from home. But there are actually still a lot of people, like you were saying earlier, that have felt quite isolated and actually do want to be back in the office and do want to have those conversations because it's the small things, the little conversations about what you're having for lunch and the personalities that you have, that you, you get to know about from having a, a coffee while you're making your lunch or whatever that you don't get or you haven't had for the last year. So I think it's going to be difficult to try and find what people want and to be able to address that in a way that's flexible because I think everybody's taking it so differently and everybody's looking for something different so it is interesting to see how organizations adapt to that and how expectations have changed over the last 12 months and what people are expecting organizations to accept nowadays because they've seen that we can all operate in a, in a new way of working. I'm not saying that I think everyone's going to be operating from Spain on the beach. <laughs> I think it's about finding that balance that works for the organisation, but also the kind of employees that you, you want to attract and, and have in the organisation. There's some interesting challenges, Jess, for the HR team and the policies company policies that they offer <laughs> <laughs> no I think that they've got their it's going to be a, a a challenging challenging road ahead but an exciting one I think it's Absolutely. it's brought some interesting and exciting questions and broken down some some big barriers that have that have always been there because it's that's traditionally been how work is and I think that that we've been able to remove some of that which I think is brilliant 
So thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us today on the Talent Exchange. I know you're going to be joining us on another one, which is going to be brilliant. But thank you. Thank you for joining this one. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on creating dynamic and inclusive leaders. And we hope you'll join us on our other podcast too, where we share insights, top tips and discussions on the latest HR and recruitment trends. For more information about the coaching support Catherine discussed today, visit Equal Talent's website over on equaltalent.com. On the 20th to the 21st of May, She Has No Limits is also running their Badass Career Summit for Women. So make sure to check out shehasnolimits.com forward slash hour dash events for more information on how you can extend some of our key learnings from the podcast today to further progress your career. To find out more about networks and how we are supporting over 450 clients nationwide to attract, engage, manage and onboard top talent, head over to networksolutions.co.uk. Until next time.